Hello and welcome to Afternoonified. The podcast where we had to call in a professional. I'm Sarah. I'm Emily. And that's Joe. Hey there. I'm glad you have our theme song memorized. Just that one little run. Um, yep. All right. Hello. Hey Welcome to the show. We did the hello already. Um, this is hours earlier than we usually record. <laughs> hours. Oh, sorry. That's my bad. <laughs> <laughs> Hope this I didn't is, get you guys all out of bed. This is probably a, well, this is probably a more productive like time to be recording a podcast instead of at like 6 p.m. on a Tuesday after we've been at work all day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was going to say it's probably about the same level of punchiness. <laughs> yeah. My my reading comprehension's probably going to be up from the Benders episode <laughs> where I couldn't uh, remember how to pronounce some mountain range. You did a Adirondack. Adiron, yeah. Adirondack. Uh, did you? Are we talking about the Bloody Benders? The Bloody Benders. That oh, was yeah. our our last episode. They're a fun bunch, or they were. I assume they're all dead by Whoever, now. Whoever, I would hope. Yeah, I hope so. <laughs> well, you know, you don't know. I mean, if they were real I mean, people, yes. The they, they could eight. be immortal vampires for all we yeah, know. Exactly. We uh, did not yeah. discuss that possibility <laughs> of supernatural. You didn't. We didn't. How could you not? I stayed grounded in facts because so many people yelled at me for not doing my research. <laughs> mm-hmm. As I've said before, I read a book for that episode. Did you? Yep. Yeah, I know. That's like you can't do that for every episode. It's great if you can. Um, well, the the book was also um, it was more of a novella mm-hmm. because even Harold Schechter couldn't come up with a full book's worth on these people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. I got. A, I just recently got a free book in the mail from a publisher it's just coming out this month about uh the uh the um herbert fuller Do you oh yeah, that yeah 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 yeah, mm, yeah that yeah. was uh a, not a ghost ship that was a ship uh three people were axe murdered on it in the middle of the atlantic oh yeah i remember the story i mean it's yeah. probably a ghost ship now in that there are <laughs> ghosts on the ship oh yeah it's well it's, i'm sure it was dismantled or just left to rot or whatever happened to ships like that but uh, but yeah for years years and years went by this was a sort of a national story there for a bit and then it just dropped out of the consciousness and when i researched it i had a hard time finding any yeah. real good solid information on it and but now this guy has come out with a book, which is kind of interesting and illuminating. But like the Bender book, it's kind of slim. It's only 170 pages. Yeah, yeah. I, there mm-hmm. are certain things where, like, there's more information than, like, a pamphlet. Yeah. But there's not enough information to do, like, an H.H. H. Holmes biography level, like. Mm-hmm. But no one's going to write Devil in the White oh, City yeah, about it. Oh, yeah, that was a fun one. But uh, the, the, the nice thing about this book, though, is that I think a lot of writers would have been tempted to uh, pad it out by throwing in a lot of extraneous detail, and he yeah, did yeah, not yeah. do that at all. So I really appreciate that, because there's other other history books that I've read that are really twice as long as they need to be, because they have to throw every little every little detail in there. Well, like, I know it was the point of Devil in the White City to also be about the World's Fair, but yeah. I reached a certain point of them talking about lumber where I was like, oh, my God, just get to the murders. Uh-huh. <laughs> I know. There is this, there's That happens. And, you know, I got to say that I read that book. I liked it. I never really bought the premise that you could sort of conflate the two stories. You know, they were, they were both not... interesting stories, but they had nothing to do with each other. They were only opinion. related in that it gave H.H. H. Holmes a good cover 
where mm. no one is going to be looking for all of these people disappearing during one of the greatest convergences of people. Exactly. In- yeah. 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 But beyond that, it was like they, he didn't really need to talk that much about the World's Fair. But in and of itself, of course, it's a fascinating topic. I mean, um, uh, I have a coworker who's an older lady, and I came into the lunchroom one day, and she was reading uh, Devil in the White City, and I was like, oh, wow, Susan, that... You know, that's not a book I'd expect. He's like, oh, my mother p- played piano at the World's Fair, and I wanted to oh, read about really? the World's Fair. And I was like, oh, God, I'm not going to tell her. I can't tell her. Uh. <laughs> and then she's like, why didn't you tell me that the doctor murdered people? I'm like, well, I didn't want to spoil it. <laughs> I mean, also, <laughs> read the back of the book. <laughs> yeah, there's that. <laughs> but uh, we are talking about ghost ships today. Before we get into that, Sarah, would you like to um, make the announcement for our non-Twitter people? Yes. I mean, if you haven't seen it on Twitter, uh, we have announced our three giveaway winners. So a huge shout out to them. It's uh, Leanne, Michaela, and Ben. You guys are the best, and we love you. Yeah, we love you guys. (laughs) Joe loves you too. (laughs) I don't know if we've actually introduced Joe of Thinking Sideways fame. Oh, yeah. Who we had to call in because I don't know Prow from Stern from my own ass, so... Okay, I'll yeah, I'll, I'll correct you the whole time. By the by, the end of the episode, you're going to want to kill me. I have always wanted <laughs> intense boat knowledge. Yeah, boats are cool, and it's great to throw away, throw around those those boat terms like prow and stern and head. You know, and, yeah, it's sails. And watch the confusion on people's faces. <laughs> um, oh, Minnie. Yeah, she's very interested. Mm-hmm. She well, heard ghost cool. ships, and she's I think just it was like, boat terms. Yes. Uh, she yeah. did enjoy the film Ghost Ship. She did? She did. Um, I think it was just all of the loud noises and the movement, because mm-hmm. <laughs> she also really likes The Mummy. Oh, really? The recent Mummy? Uh, no, the Brendan Fraser one. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's right. There was a, the Tom... Uh, Tom the Wick. Tom Cruise one. Yeah, I forgot yeah. about that Which one. Which wasn't that bad. No, it was kind of fun. It was actually pretty good. Yeah. Um, and, you know, Tom Cruise actually doesn't make that many stinkers. I mean, when you no, think No, they're about all it, at least okay. They're all at least watchable and entertaining, you know, if they're not they're not Oscar-worthy necessarily. But, you know, they're not terrible. I would love to live long enough to see Mission Impossible 19 nominated for an Academy Award. <laughs> yeah, not chance. They got to they gotta shoot in black and white. <laughs> have it set in the 1800s yeah yeah just uh, find somebody that that uh, believes he is orson wells and, yeah <laughs> so uh ghost ship oh yeah um we all watched the movie in preparation for this oh yeah great movie <laughs> which is uh <laughs> it's definitely a movie we watched it's mm-hmm. a movie yeah uh, it's not as good as Thirteen Ghosts, so no. It was uh, actually when I was—I uh, remember when it came out, and I never got around to seeing it, but I saw the ads for it, like it's uh, and stuff, and uh, I thought, well, that looks kind of creepy, but it didn't grab me obviously enough to make me go see it in the theaters. But when I finally got around to watching it on Netflix, I was struck. The production values, basically, it looked like a cheap TV movie. I mean, it didn't look that good. Yeah, it- no. It, that director did a remake of a movie that was very good. I'm going to say 13 Ghosts was good. Uh-huh. Okay. Uh, and then they 13 were like, Ghosts was traumatizing. I will give it that when you're 14 I, years old. I have old. not seen that one. <laughs> there is a scene. It's spoilers, I guess. The movie's been out for like 20 years. Yeah, but... No spoiler for me. I haven't seen it yet. <laughs> oh, go ahead. Um, There is a scene where 
a lawyer is taunting a ghost and she gets upset about it and then closes a sliding glass door on him, but it cuts cleanly through him. Uh-huh. So he's just kind of standing there staring and like his tie falls off and then he just kind of slides down it and it's amazing. Mm-hmm. Ugh. I don't think Sarah enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. No, oh. no, that was, well, I saw it. I think it was like a sleepover with a friend and we rented 13 ghosts and it must have been 14, maybe 13. and. It horrified me for weeks. I did Blair, the, like the Blair Witch it Project. Still yeah. sits with me. <laughs> I gotta see it now. Um, Tony Shalhoub is fantastic. As for Ghost Ship, Carl Urban can do better. Yeah, well, that that was an early role. I was actually sad to see uh, what's his name. Um, who's who, who was the star? It was Gabriel uh, Byrne. Oh, Gabriel, Gabriel Byrne. Byrne. Now he's a big star, but maybe yeah. that was right before he became a maybe big star. Maybe he needed the money. Yeah. This was post Little Women, so yeah. was it post Little Women? Little Women, <laughs> but it was it was pre uh, the Usual Suspects, so right. Uh, uh, no, this would have been two thousand one. That was yeah. when that movie came out. That's when Ghost Ship came out. Really? Oh, I get you when you when you look at it, it just looks like a seventies movie, don't you think? It is that weird. Well, they shot it to look um, like it was from the time period when the uh, incident at the beginning of the film happened. Yeah, uh-huh. the opening credits. Yeah, were I know interesting. The, the, the weird scrolly kind of lettering and stuff. I thought, what the hell? Yeah. Well, that director has one thing he likes to do, and that is cut people in cut half. Cut people in half. Oh. <laughs> Well, some people did get like uh, horribly murdered in that one. I think there was an impalement, and there was uh, Carl Urban got ground up in some massive gears. And uh, I think that's the point where Sarah texted me, and she was like, "What is this?" And then, um, um, yeah, God, what was his name? This guy didn't get killed, but uh, did you? The guy who actually contacts them at the beginning of the movie. Oh and, yeah, the the guy it, who turns out to be Ferryman. Yeah, he, um, so he, um, a little on the nose with the name, but it must have been hard to write that script with those ham fists. Oh, but anyway, <laughs> yeah, the, uh, but he was, I was, I kept going, like, who is that guy? I know that guy. Who is, and, and he was, he was on Dexter. Did you ever yeah. watch Dexter? Yes, he was in Dexter. He was also on Gossip Girl for a while, which mm-hmm. is I was how say, he struck me as a budget Sam hey. Rockwell. <laughs> okay, but, but, anyway, yes, but, but he was, he was so familiar. It took me a while to place again. Uh, Desmond oh, yeah, Harrington, yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, he was he was in Dexter as a detective. Yeah, he was uh, one of the one of the one of the cops that worked with Dexter and his sister, and it was Dexter's sister's boyfriend. For yes, 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 yes. Oh, and, uh, yeah. that guy. Yeah, yeah. yeah that, that guy was in Ghost Ship. Oh, yeah, he did those two together. It. Yeah. No. Now you got to go watch it again. <laughs> no thanks. Yeah, I know. I've already <laughs> wasted an hour and a half of my life on that movie. Why mm. would you watch Ghost Ship when Hereditary is on Amazon Prime? Mm, good point. Because <laughs> I'm also never watching Hereditary. Um, Suspiria again. is also on Amazon Prime, and I would recommend watching that at least once. Yeah. So, Ghost Ships. Sorry. Um, I this actual ep- Ghost Ships. This yeah. episode, actually, that was an actual Ghost Ship. It was a Ghost Ship. Uh, uh, it was a ship floating, uninhabited, in the water. I forgot the word water for a second. In but the ocean. Yeah. Yes, it yeah. was a technical Ghost Ship, and also. A ship for ghosts. Yeah, and it was full of ghosts. Yeah, <laughs> uh, it works on two levels. Yeah, it's very clever, Sarah. Keep it up. is. Yes. Um, mm. So, episode tentatively titled "My Favorite Ghost Ship." <laughs> <laughs> so we have each picked one or two, which I'm so glad you brought the other one to yeah. the table. It's well, it sounds great. It's you know not that ghostly, but it's an interesting story. I had to stop myself from doing that more recent story about the. 
I think he was from Mexico, the guy they just found like mummified on his own ship, but oh, he yeah. only died like a week before. Mm-hmm. Um, they Ooh. haven't quite figured out why he was mummified. Yeah. Well, is that the one? There's another one from like a year or two ago where they found this guy mummified on his boat, but he had disappeared quite a while before. He His boat had just been drifting around the Pacific Ocean for a long time. It might be the same one. Or... But he hadn't died just the week before. He had been, he disappeared a while back. Oh, weird. And, yeah. I don't know if I've heard that one. But yeah, in this one, I think it was just a combination of like the sea, air, and all of that that mm-hmm. dried him out. But I can imagine that mummifies you pretty quick, especially when you're mm-hmm. already yeah. dehydrated. Yeah, so... Um, so yeah, we've each picked some ghost ship stories. Uh, Sarah, if you'd like to start us out. I would love to start us out. Um, I am talking today about the legend of the schooner Jenny. Mm -hmm. Emphasis on the word legend because it's almost most definitely fake. (laughs) You think so? (laughs) Sorry to spoil that right at the top, but I'm pretty sure it's This is a fact-based podcast. How (laughs) dare you come to our house? And sully our Bigfoot research with this. I know, with Jenny, yeah. There was actually, I read up on this one a little bit, and there was one thing that sort of struck me as a little bit of a red flag, but you go ahead. Yeah. Now, Emily, so when we first, like, started talking about this episode, Emily sent me a list of, like, 10 ghost ships, and it might have been, like, two or three down, but, like, the second I saw it, I was like, oh, yes, I need to do this one, and I'll... Okay. I will re- I will reveal why as we read it, obviously. Um, so our story takes place in the Drake Passage, which is the body of water between Cape Horn, which is the southernmost point of South America, and the South Shetland Islands of Antarctica. So way down at the bottom of the earth. Mm-hmm. Or the top there, of the earth, actually. depending on which yeah. map. Or the underside really. of the yeah. earth if you don't believe it's round. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> that's a go. good point, too. But Or the far edge, actually. The, really the oh, way yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. No, actually, I've not been in the Drake Passage. I've been as far south as Ushuaia, which is uh, the southernmost city in the world. It's in Tierra del Fuego. Oh, man. Uh, which is split between Chile and Argentina. And it's right down there at the tip of South America. Yeah. So I'm going to have to add that to my list. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's interesting. And uh, I was, it was one of the big disappointments of my life is that um, – I had heard this story that you could actually hitch a ride with the Argentine Air Force for like 600, 700 bucks, and they would fly you over to Antarctica because Argentina <sighs> has a base there. And I really wanted to do that, but I, and there was a phone number that I found, and I called it, and no one ever answered. That's, That's so sad. disappointing. Yeah, it was kind of disappointing. Oh, well. I kind of see that ending in a hostile-like situation. <laughs> I, I can see a lot of bad endings there, sure, yeah. So Antarctica, oh, you yeah, say? Yeah. Back, to, back to the Great Passage. I'm sorry. I, I totally diverted the conversation there. <laughs> no, this the whole we, point of this podcast is to interrupt each other. So. Oh, okay. <laughs> We're learning together. Uh, so our story takes place in the Drake Passage, which is the body of water between Cape Horn, uh, southernmost point of South America, and the South Shetland Islands of Antarctica. Uh, so as the tale goes, a whaling ship named the Hope was sailing through the passage in September 1840 when they spotted a battered ship emerging from the gap between two icebergs. Uh, While the ship was in rough condition, it still appeared to be manned. Uh, There were seven crew members standing out on the deck, but as they drifted closer, uh, they realized the men weren't standing at attention as they first believed. They were actually frozen solid to the deck, as if they'd been flash frozen in in some storm. It could have been some day after tomorrow Mm -hmm. type nonsense. Just like human frozen peas, just flash frozen. It does get chilly down there. <laughs> it's, I mean, it's pretty cold in Antarctica. Yeah. That's, where they uh, keep, so the, that's where they keep the penguins, right? Like, yeah. Yes. Okay. Yes. 
Um, so the Hope's captain, who was manned by the name of Brighton, was the first to board the ship and investigate. Um, below deck, he came across the captain, still at his desk, and writing in the ship's log. Brighton greeted him, but when he received no reply, he realized, with what I imagined was dawning horror, uh, the captain, too, was dead, frozen in place as he scratched out the last entry in his log. Do you want to know what the last entry was? Like, We're freezing. Arr. Very spooky. Yeah. <laughs> what was it? May 4th, 1823. No food for 71 days. I am the last one left alive. So bum, um, bum, was he bum. also just waving a red flag that says the story isn't real, or did they take that detail <laughs> out? Nope. Um, not quite. Um, so in the master's cabin, they also found the captain's wife and their dog. Um, so according to the log, the ship was called the Schooner Jenny. Um, it had first sailed from the Isle of Wight nearly 20 years previously, and its last port of call was Kalau, near Lima, Peru. I hope I pronounced mm. that right. So there, um, some reports say Captain Brighton held a funeral for the crew of the Jenny, and they buried their bodies at sea. Others claim he just kind of grabbed the logbook and got the hell out of there, believing that the haunted ship would doom them all. Mm. Um, I'm guessing I would do the latter. I, I probably would, stick would around too. that. Um, but the Jenny, it's believed, still sails the waters off of Antarctica. Or maybe since, or maybe it's been frozen in life, or maybe it was never, ever real at all, which is what I would guess. Yeah, couldn't they send something out there to, like, do a tow? Bring her in? Uh, I well, know. I mean, it was, like, 1860 in yeah, Antarctica. They didn't have, uh, they didn't have, like, steam power. I guess, yeah. yeah. You'd so. just be kind yeah. of sailing with something mm. behind you. Yeah. Yeah, it would be tricky. And it's also, um, back in those days, it'd be hard enough just to keep your own ship afloat because I, I've been down there, uh, as I've already said, and uh, the wind down there is ferocious and really gusty. Yeah, I guess there yeah. isn't much time to be hauling back frozen uh, corpses. Yeah, or fro yeah, trying to tow a ship under those conditions, I don't think it would work out. Yeah. yeah, I feel like it's Everest rules where if your ship goes down, like it's you're just stuck there. No one's going to mm -hmm. risk their lives to bring you back. Yeah. I I kind of want a teen comedy from the 90s called Everest Rules, where it's a bunch of, like, 18-year-olds <laughs> trying to climb a mountain. That kind of thing. Brian Reynolds yeah. can be in it. Yeah, I like it. That's a great idea. Playing an 18-year-old. Oh, yeah. At age 45. Yeah. Has, any has anybody done that yet? And, and like, a, just a bunch of drunk fraternity boys try to climb Everest? Not just, yet, but yeah. I know some people. They're going to listen uh, to this podcast, yeah. and they're going to do it. I'm leaning so, on the fake side of things, but... yeah. yeah. Um, that'd be my guess. The story first appeared in 1862 in a German geographical magazine called Globus, um, which I have to imagine is a magazine for old-timey nerds. Probably. <laughs> the author was anonymous. Uh, the original report has never been substantiated. Like, I did a little bit of searching, um, but, like, what you see is the same, like, copy-pasted from everywhere else on the internet. No one's, like, actually done, like, any track tracking to see if like there was ever a ship called the jenny that sailed from the olive white like i imagine you have these details and insurance as such where if it was real you mm. could figure it out right you know actually uh, I, that, I don't know i gotta make a note about that remind me to write that down before i leave i i have a contact who supposedly Ooh. has access to the british national archives and so uh, you never know i mean maybe we could do a little tracking because i was going to contact this person because i came across another ghost ship story recently. 
Ooh. But it's very lightly sourced, so I, I'm not going to tell you any more about it. I mean, maybe after we're done recording, I will. But uh, lightly sourced, I think that's well, one of my favorite. It's, yeah, uh, this one actually is seems to be actually documented, but there just isn't that much remaining uh, detail oh, about yeah. it. But it, it appears my my initial reading is that it, this actually did happen. It was actually a real ship, I believe. But it, Again, there's just not enough information out there to really yeah. put together a great story yeah. on it. But I'll, I'll tell you about it a little bit later. But I don't want to spoil it for our listeners, who I'm sure are going to want to tune in whenever I get around to putting on a new podcast and hear this episode about this cool new ghost ship that I found. Ah, uh, man, I would definitely listen to a podcast that was just ghost ships. Uh, I feel I like you could do a pretty good podcast on just ghost ships. There's so many. Uh, there's not quite enough of them out there, unfortunately. <laughs> Maybe that's what we ought to do, though, is put together just a short-lived podcast. I mean, it doesn't need to go on forever. You can do an episode or do a podcast that's only like 20 episodes or 30 episodes, right? A limited run. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah like exactly. John, a little mini-series. Yeah. yeah, it can be done. Um, yeah. So is that all that's we got about it? That's... Oh, my other note is there's actually an almost identical story of another ghost ship called the Octavius. Um which, in addition to being a Hallorad name for a metal band, shares pretty much every single detail, except it's an Arctic. It's frozen in the Arctic ice. So it's just the um, opposite As opposed side. to Antarctica. A frozen icicle ghost ship for every hemisphere. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, there was a similar one about a Russian ship that uh, that uh, is even creepier than this one. And uh, and that also appeared in print. under, And the ship had a couple of different names and stuff like that. It's the exact same story, but the, some of those names have been changed and it, stuff. It reminds me of that story about the, I want to say it's Alaska or the Yukon, where an entire village just disappeared. Oh, yeah. Like the oh, story. Yeah. That the was, story is just copy and pasted over and over again, and yeah. it was like in a magazine. But it uh, grew in the telling. That was Anchikuni Lake. That yes, was in the Northwest right, Territories, yeah. which is sort of in the middle of frozen north. And yeah, it started out as a newspaper story about a little Indian village that disappeared. And it was really, it was just a nomadic village where they had like teepees and yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so they've just abandoned their stuff and moved on. And, and so this guy writes his story about it. And by today, it has grown into a small city. I mean, with it's actually got like you know brick buildings yeah, and, yeah, and, yeah. and all kinds of stuff. I mean, in the next iteration, it's going to have an airport probably <laughs> and a freeway system. But uh, yeah, the, uh, the Anchikuni Lake—that's yeah. a classic, one of my favorites. So I mean, it might they might have just found a boat and then it went from there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like that's a fairly standard genre of ghost ship stories: finding is- a boat. Yeah. yeah. Well, finding a boat full of frozen yeah. people, sort of thing. And you, uh, and you guys, maybe have not noticed this about the press, but they do make stuff up. <laughs> Just yeah. a little back then, bit. And, and yeah, now today. And yeah, we were talking, we yeah. were talking about this with the Benders, where it was in a time period where you could just make stuff up. Oh yeah. Like I was trying to find out the age of a victim, and she was either fourteen months or eight years old, and it was like like a pretty even split. Mm-hmm. So you kind of just have to pick one. Yeah, yeah. I know it's uh, it's it really is irritating. They have to waste so much time with some of these little facts, like dates and stuff like that, or just names. Yeah. Thank you, Sarah, for yeah. sharing yes. your favorite ghost ship. That is a fun story. <laughs> I I'm not really sure if that's true or not, but um, uh, remind yeah. me we need to talk about at some point the ice mummies. The ice mummies. Yes. Oh, there was yeah. a ship where crew members died on it and then they buried them in the ice and then they dug them up like what 200 years later or something and like their hair was still preserved oh yeah. and like their noses were black and stuff but they look 
I mean, not a <sighs> lie, saying, but like. I don't- I don't think I know this story, but you know how much I love accidental mummies. Oh, yeah. So accidental mummies or deliberate mummies. So. I, it it took a lot to not bring it up during the bog bodies episode because it <laughs> wasn't related. But I was like, but the ice mummies. <laughs> that's, that's a good one. Oh, speaking of of, of people uh, people trapped in ice, uh, this is kind of an aside, but if you ever are interested in reading a book of high adventure, that's absolutely true. Read Endurance by F. A. Worsley. It's about the Shackleton expedition to Antarctica. How does that yes. sound familiar? And they, their, their ship, the Endurance, was caught in the ice. It became icebound, and they were trapped. They hung out there for quite a long time before the ice eventually compressed the ship enough to destroy it. And they had to salvage everything they could and basically truck across the ice for for miles and miles, hundreds of miles, basically dragging dragging a couple of lifeboats with them over the ice. Yes, with all the I have heard that story before. And yeah, the story just gets even better from there. But it's an amazing story. Um, the I, not Otzi, the Ice Man. Damn it! it it's going to bother me if I can't give you the names of, uh, of these, the ice mummies of these ice mummies. Yeah, not amazing with, with mummies. Bill and Ted. Um, so his name was Encino Man, and <laughs> <laughs> exactly prehistoric caveman lawyer, or whatever. What was that thing that Phil Hartman used to do on Saturday Night Live? You know that. I think that might have been before my time. Oh, really? That was way back. You, you don't remember Phil Hartman? I do remember him. Yeah. Um. It was like prehistoric caveman lawyer. This guy is uh, this caveman is found frozen in the ice, and they thaw him out, and he goes to Harvard and gets a law degree and becomes uh, a lawyer. <laughs> okay so franklin's expedition in 1845 is where these mummies came from oh yeah right yeah we'll just toss a picture of it up on the instagram with our slideshow (laughs) why not so i like i like the 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 hideous death mask his his lips are drawn up and sort of a scream or we we found out when we were doing uh an episode on on purpose mummies i think is what that ended up being titled or something was that it just dries their lips up yeah and they sort and of they draw, draw back. back yeah exactly but, um, it, but it always looks hideous. it looks t- it terrible looks awful well it's yeah, like that it's chinese mummy where she's almost perfectly preserved like there was still blood in her veins and stuff but her tongue is just like out and her lips are back and like she's beautiful i'm like no she's not <laughs> but nice yeah. try yeah they found enough blood, maybe they could actually like uh, resurrect her with DNA, you know, and cloning and all that oh, stuff. Oh, that would be fun. That would be interesting, yeah. Um. All right, so uh, my story is a little more grounded. Oh, let's hear mm. it. Uh, it's the Kaz 2. You might, there's a chance where it maybe isn't just totally made up. Oh, no, yeah. it is real. Yeah. I found many, many uh, British tabloid articles about it, so yeah, we know it's true. Awesome. Yeah, it's not made up. Um, It's the Kaz, right? Like K-A-Z? Yeah. Cass, yeah, it's Australian, and they tend to not pronounce half the letters in their shit. Yeah, it's actually yeah. pronounced kinkaroo. Kinkaboo. <laughs> I uh, love the Australians. Actually, some of their whimsical little names that they have for things, like you know, like platypus and kangaroo. Is it? That's, that's a fun sounding name. We talked or about wombats. a a vampire that they have there that has like some insane name that I'm not gonna look up. Mm-hmm. Do you remember this one, the little tree person? I. I remember what it is, and I remember the name being great. I couldn't possibly remember it off the top of my head. I did that episode, and then I removed all that information from my brain because the Thai Vietnamese vampire that's just a woman's head with entrails. Ooh, that's creepy. It's real gross. Yeah. 
No, I know I know the one you're talking about, the Australian one, and I can't remember the name either, but it always seems to go hand in hand with uh, with drop bats or drop bears. Drop bears, yeah. I think that might have been the basis for the Yeah, it's always drop bears yeah. plus this other thing, yeah. which I can't remember, but it's a cool name. Um all right. So on April seventeenth, two thousand seven, the crew of a surveillance helicopter spotted a catamaran drifting in the sea almost a hundred miles off the Queensland coast of Australia, uh, near the Great Barrier Reef. Uh, they observed that the 9.8 meter, I do not know how many feet that is, but I assume it's big. 9.8 meter, yeah, that's, uh, yeah, that's About 30 roughly feet. 32 feet, something like that. Is that like the size of my living room? Yeah. That's how I, I measure things is, is it the size of my living room? Yeah, do you know what your size of your living room is? It's like 25 by something, so oh, okay. like maybe into the kitchen a little bit. Yeah. If we were to park a boat in here. There would be some overhang into the kitchen. Yeah. Uh, they observed that the 9.8 meter ship was damaged. Uh, wait, no, I can't read. Or I wrote that weird. The 9.8 meter ship was in some damage as the sails looked to be shredded. Uh, reporting that the crew may be in distress, a rescue crew was dispatched by helicopter two days later, catching up to the vessel and boarding it. Two days. Two days, huh? They might be in distress. Well, I mean, Let's take they, some time to think about it. They might have been short or if on shoppers. Dead. Well, no rush. We're gonna find out. Uh, when they boarded the craft, they found a scene that could only be and was almost exclusively described as strange. Every article described it as strange. Uh, it looked as if, as if everything was set up for a meal, with food and utensils sat out on the table. The engine was still running, and computers and a laptop were also set up and turned on. The anchor was up, emergency systems on board, including the radio and the GPS, were functional, and the vessel still had its full set of life jackets. And that, uh, forgive me if you said this already, but was the logbook still present? Um, I don't think they make any mention of the logbook. Okay. Huh. Yeah, that doesn't come up at any point. Do they still keep paper logbooks? As like, far as I know, they do, huh. yeah. Huh. Um. Life jackets. Uh, fishing lines were still running from the boat. A cup of coffee was found near a life preserver at the helm, which is the front, the back. The helm? Yeah. Uh, the helm is where you steer it from, so it's going to be towards the back. Okay. Or in some boats, it could be uh, a little bit more towards the middle, but it's going to be in the back of the boat. That's where. If it were a pirate ship, is. it's okay. where the ship's wheel is, right? Yeah. Okay. I was say, are the helm and the bridge the same thing? Uh, no, the bridge is like... On a boat that size, I mean, some boats, like fishing boats, have what's called a flying bridge, which okay. is like, you know, the main helm is actually down below, but then there's a secondary one that you can control the boat from up on the up on the bridge, the flying bridge up top. So, you know, usually they're the same thing. My boat reference is Ghost Ship Titanic and then uh -huh. the Pirates of the Caribbean <laughs> films. Uh-huh. Ghost Ship Titanic. I love it. Oh, man, I'd watch oh, that. Oh, God, can we write that movie? <laughs> I'll get on it. We'll have to call James Cameron. He's the only one who's seen it enough. And I, I want to write to James Cameron anyway. They should have made about three dozen Titanic movies. You know, that, <laughs> Titanic two. Somehow oh, it didn't sink. Oh no, it's just like the you got like Kate and, and Kate and Leonardo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, but it's a big ship. But there's you know? more people. There's on no it. reason you couldn't have a couple of other stars somewhere else in the in the boat I know. doing the same thing, and then you reuse all the sinking stuff. You reuse all you that. You don't have to reshoot yeah. it. It saves money I'm and man hours. Yeah, and so and, and I some, would rather. Yeah, I would rather have like twelve more Titanic movies than the five Avatar movies that they need to make for no reason. I mean, you aren't going to be lining up in twenty twenty seven to see Avatar five, which I has been probably... announced and confirmed. 
if we're lucky, we'll all be dead by then. <laughs> you know, yeah, nobody seems to be enthusiastic about a sequel to Avatar, I've noticed. I've never seen it. I haven't seen it either. I've seen bits and pieces of it, and I, I feel like I should see it just because I like James Cameron. He's ma- He makes good stuff. But yeah. I've heard some negative stuff about I've it, too. I was say, if they like, re-release it in theaters, sure. Like, don't, I don't, I can't imagine it's going to be super compelling just to, like, rent it it's and watch it It's a visual movie. TV. It's not a story-based yeah. movie. Yeah. Really. No. <laughs> um, yeah, it's five more Titanic sequels. Actually, I think they made a British uh, <laughs> miniseries about the Titanic with, obviously, oh, different right. people. Mm. Yeah. No, I'm just thinking well, about. Maybe a little more historically based. I'm just thinking about, like, you know, for, for the, the other one, stars say, uh, let's say George Clooney and, uh, and Jennifer Aniston. And uh, I would watch that and, so I would and, go broke watching that movie. Yeah, and there'll be a scene like where they're kind of up near the bow, and there's Leonardo going, I'm the king of the world. And George Clooney goes, like, Shut the fuck up. <laughs> 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 Things like that. You could actually, that'd be kind of fun. I would watch the hell out of that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, remake Titanic as a comedy with Jennifer Aniston and George Clooney. But if George Clooney... Someone start that change.org petition. <laughs> yeah, we'll take the money that they want to spend to remake season eight of Game of Thrones <laughs> yeah. and make a new George Clooney vehicle. So anyway, this boat. <laughs> oh, yeah, the Kaz. Right. Let's get back to the Kaz. Yeah. So the Kaz, the, the, the fishing lines were out. There was a cup of coffee. Uh, and a life preserver at the helm. And also the personal belongings of the crew, including wallets, laundry. Uh, the beds were slept in. Maps were placed out on tables and there had been no distress signals sent by the crew and like i said the boat looked to be in perfect working condition aside from a shredded sail and no life raft but no one knows if there was actually a life raft on board to begin with Mm. there was a smaller boat tied to the front but no life raft and i'm assuming there's a difference um yeah, I mean, usually usually boats have a life like an inflatable life raft. Okay. It depends on how much room you've got on the boat. Ideally, if you've got a lot of room, you'll have like a tender, which is like not inflatable. It's like just a, a like hard, a lifeboat. Yeah, like a hard shell kind of yeah, like a lifeboat or a rowboat that kind of thing. A canoe. And ideally, yeah, you've got one of those, and then ideally also a backup inflatable. That's one of those ones that's automatic. You know, it deploys and inflates when it hits yeah, the yeah. water and all that stuff. I feel like if there's one place to be over prepared, it's gonna be on a small boat. Oh, in yeah. the middle of the ocean. Hell yeah, I mean, or even a be... big boat in the middle of the ocean. Just you should be well prepared. I think so. What was not found on board, however. Was its three-man crew. Yeah. Uh, 56-year-old Derek Batten, uh, who owned the boat and was the skipper, and his neighbors, uh, brothers Peter and James Tunstead, who were 69 and 63, respectively. They were all from Perth. So, understandably, there are parts of the internet that describe this disappearance as... Mysterious. Mysterious, and possibly connected to a UFO abduction, but we will talk about that later. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Say, so, is there a theory yeah. where Bigfoot did uh, it? See Bigfoot. Seafoot. Seafoot. Yeah, yeah, the cracker. <laughs> well, you know, also, this is, um, they're sailing like right past the Great Barrier Reef. Yeah. Which has great whites, which, mm. you know, are well known to jump out of the water and snag people off of boats. If Jaws has taught me anything, that's exactly what happened. The yeah. documentary Jaws. Yeah. Now they, uh, they, 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 they sort of lure them down, and then when they, when they lean way over to see what's in the water, they, like sirens. Then, yeah, and then bap, you know, they, they, they just snag them. And then, and then the other guys come along. The next guy comes along and says, hey, what happened to Fred? You know, and he leans way over they the look side. Up, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah. That's how they get you. Yeah, that's, that is. Yeah. So accounts vary wildly. So these men were either very good at sailing 
or really bad at sailing, or maybe the owner Batten was good, but the brothers were beginners. Mm-hmm. I don't know because every article lists their sailing prowess as like at different levels. Mm-hmm. So they either sucked at it or they were amazing. Either way, they were not on the boat anymore. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's kind of the, the long and short of it is doesn't matter if they were good at sailing or not, not currently on the boat. so what is known is that batten had purchased the craft 10 months earlier and planned to sail the ship along with the brothers from arley beach along the northern and western coast of australia and would have what would have been an eight week 500 kilometer nautical trek along some quote beautiful coastlines Mm-hmm. That is a long time to be on a boat with your neighbors. Well, that's an eight, eight weeks is a, is a long time to make a mere 500 kilometers. Are you sure they were talking? 5,000. 5,000 kilometers. Okay, that's a little better, I guess. Okay. That's a little more on the eight-week side of things. And how big was this boat? 30, 31 feet. Oh, that's way, that's right. It's the size of your living room. I don't think I'd want to be stuck in your living room with two other people. For well, eight weeks. For me, if it was like two hot chicks, for sure. But uh, <laughs> nope, two other guys, no. Two men in their 60s. Yeah, no. I don't think so. Yeah, hard pass. Yeah. There are a few people I'd want to be stuck on a boat with that long. I went on a cruise with my mother, and that ship was huge, and I was ready to like throw myself overboard by the end of <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So the Kaz, yeah. But the, yep. the Kaz is definitely out there. Every Almost every list of uh, mysterious mysterious sea things and, and like we, understandably we, yeah. but like at the end of it they kind of make a good case for what they think happened somebody um, fell overboard and the other two people were screw-ups and they went overboard too trying to rescue them pretty much yeah uh, so they had been planning this journey for a long time beforehand which was confirmed by batten's wife and the man that they had originally purchased the boat from um and they were going to sail up and then come back and dock in perth again uh, so they departed Arley Beach on Sunday, April 15th, between 7 and 8 a.m. Uh, Peter Tunstead took a call from his wife within two hours of their departure, where he told her that the next stop was the city of Townsville. That's <laughs> made up. Townsville. Townsville? Townsville. That, that is kind of interesting. It's like it's like town town or something like that. Or it's Townburg. Also, <laughs> it's also the name of the fictional metropolis in the Powerpuff Girls. Mm-hmm. Townville. The city of Townsville. <laughs> I like I like it. Which was nearly two days away. And shortly afterward, Bat made a call to the radio operator on shore, which was very routine, nothing out of the ordinary. And that was the last contact that the crew made to anyone on land. Mm. Uh, on the ship, they did find a video recording shot by James Tunstead, which is timestamped just after 10 a.m. on that Sunday morning. They had barely left at this point. Yeah. It was found when they towed the ship back to Townsville. Um, it shows Peter Tunstead fishing while sitting on the aft stairway, which I don't know where that is. Uh, aft is the back of the boat. Okay. Yeah. So he's fishing off the back the of the stern, boat. stern, basically. Yeah. Um, not wearing a life jacket. Uh, Batten is shown at the helm, and it shows that the sea was a bit rough, and the camera pans uh, 360 degrees so they could tell what was around them to kind of pinpoint where they were when the video was taken. Well, was was there any land visible? Or was it there just... were some islands. Oh, okay. Um, a white rope was seen trailing from behind the boat, and the engine was not running. But the sails were up. The sails were up. Yeah. And the next 30 minutes, the men disappeared, well, according like, okay. to the GPS findings. Okay. Well, it seems to me pretty clear that somebody did fall overboard, because 
um, that would be the first thing you do is you know, if you're sailing in one direction, somebody falls overboard, you you got you don't have time to actually take your sails mm-hmm. down, so mm-hmm. you just basically cut them loose. Yeah. And so that they're no longer pushing the boat. Then you start your engine so you can turn around and go back and get them. And the engine was running, correct? It was running when they found it. It was running when they found yes. it. So you start your engine so you can go back and get the guy who's fallen overboard or guys. And then somehow, maybe let's, let's imagine the two amateurs both fell overboard. Uh, maybe one <laughs> fell overboard. The other one fell overboard trying to rescue him. The captain goes back. And he's like, you know, found them. He's leaning overboard, trying to trying to grab their arm or whatever. Did you work for he Australian Coast Guard out? and yeah. just write this report? I know. This is what <laughs> happened. Yeah. Okay. Is just, this their yeah. like theory? Uh, yeah. The official the, theory. The GPS system um, showed that at half past ten something happened, and the boat started to veer off course. Um, mm. Did it do a U-turn or did it just veered off course? It just veered off course. Uh, they searched for a week and they didn't find anything out. Like where the video had shown they were or the gps so yeah i think the gps records would show pretty clearly where the incident happened but of course currents are gonna yeah take people away from there and how long between like when this incident happened and um, when they I found the boat it was they found the boat on the 18th and they left on the 15th oh so yeah. like a day oh, yeah. yeah and they didn't they didn't board it until a couple of days two days later that. yeah yeah okay um, it's so th- too bad they didn't board it like right away. Yeah, during the inquest in 2008, it was determined that the men did not encounter foul play and did not fake their disappearances. Uh, the Queensland coroner stated in his report that the men died by tragic accident. Probably. Um, and the scenario sounds about right. The scenario put forth is that Peter Tunstead may have attempted to free a lure that had become entangled on the rudder, and uh, f- you know fell overboard. His brother then went in to rescue him, and Batten, still at the helm, may have turned the engine on to go back for them. Yeah. But was knocked overboard by the sails before he got a chance to drop them. Cool. Did they find anything like uh, any fishing line tangled around the, 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 the prop or the rudder or they anything like that? didn't find it tangled. They found it in the water. Mm-hmm. It may have been tangled at that point because the boat had just kind of been hmm. running, but yeah. it, it did say specifically that they found it tangled. So he was knocked off board, and then they were unable to make it to the boat because it was on and just yeah, the speeding was away. On and the sails were up. Kept on yeah, going. See, that's uh, that's why you know a lot of people, especially if you single hand or anything like that, you won't, you wear a safety harness with yeah. a rope and everything well, like yeah. that, in case just in case you fall overboard. And from what I hear, with this type of boat, it's hard to get back on once you fall off, uh-huh. just because of the way that it's built yeah well, kind of up and out of the water yeah yeah most, yeah most of those the only place to get on and off is at, at the stern where there's sometimes a sl- like a swim platform mm-hmm. or a ladder yeah. or something like that but yeah if you're like if you say fall off the side you know and uh and the boat's speeding past you you can't climb up the side of the boat it's just too far well like and, even and if you imagine it, it's hard to get back into like a canoe once you fall out it is <laughs> yeah it's uh, yeah so I, it's a good reason not to go sailing by yourself, that's for sure. Um, yeah, that sounds horrifying. Yeah, well, all of the evidence supports this theory, and this is where it gets really fun and why I picked this story. Um, many local yachtsmen and allegedly some of the family members have never fully agreed with this, con- agreed with this conclusion. Why not? What follows is a reading of the theories held by the people at the Paranormal Guide, and I will not be held responsible for any <laughs> bullshit that's about to happen. Okay. Oh, boy, my favorite kinds of theories. Uh, From the Paranormal Guide. Trusted source. Mm. Um, 
The notion of a freak wave hitting the boat and throwing the men overboard has been discounted as the condition when the boat was found didn't support that. Like the the boat was dry is what they were throwing out, but it's also been sailing for two days. Well, also the but but if if they had like say there there was talk about food being laid out on the table, correct, and a yeah, coffee yeah. cup and everything. Yeah, if it was a wave, it would have it would have all that stuff. Everything would be on was the deck. still yeah. yeah. So yeah. <sighs> Then there's the hypothesis put forth by cryptozoologists that the ship may have been attacked by a giant or colossal squid. Yeah. Sure, so, why not? Such things actually apparently do exist, or at least there's, there's evidence that, that one existed in ancient times. And apparently it was pretty damn enormous and pretty deadly, but I don't think they exist anymore. But we don't know 100% for sure because, you know, there's a lot it's of... like, isn't there like video of a giant squid or something? But like, it's not something that like comes up to oh, the surface. I, I don't doubt that don't giant squids exist. Not see them, yeah. I doubt the next sentence I'm about to read. <laughs> the torn sails may support a kraken attack. A kraken attack, I like oh, it. Oh, boy. But if this is the case, no evidence was found to support a monstrous encounter, none given publicly True. anyways. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> oh, many sea monster course. enthusiasts believe this may have been the case. A giant squid has attacked small vessels before, believing them to be whales. Okay. So that's Did, theory is one. Is that what giant squids well, eat? That makes sense. Whales? I've watched enough Blue Planet to know that squids aren't particularly like picky. But mm-hmm. whales might be a little much. But, I mean, I guess if it's a giant squid, then if it's really proportionately giant. speaking. Yeah. <sighs> so that's the uh, Kraken theory. That's the Kraken theory. I like that theory. Uh, in an episode of the Discovery Channel TV show Weird or What, hosted by William Shatner. Of course. Uh, a psychotherapist by the name of Barbara Lamb put forth her theory that a UFO, or rather a USO. What's a USO? Unidentified sea object. Oh, okay. Uh, took the men and are possibly being held captive by extraterrestrials who travel through the oceans in an underwater vessels. Mm-hmm. That actually makes sense for for the aliens, like like you know, not in another James Cameron movie, uh, hiding under the, the abyss. Yeah, yeah, the abyss. I mean, <laughs> hiding under the waves because I mean, it's seventy five percent of the Earth's surface, and we don't know what's down there really. I mean, much many parts of the the ocean we don't know. There could be all. There could be an alien civilization. It's about on par with space, where it would be insane to believe that we knew everything that's down there. Uh, yeah, we don't. Um, One of these days we will, but not yet. Uh, there is a twist that might make this idea a little compelling and thought worthy, as many ufologists or ufologists, 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 ufologists. Those are ones from Wisconsin and Minnesota. Many ufologists from around Australia are aware of multiple eyewitness accounts on the evening of the 14th of April, the evening prior to the departure of the ship, of a gray saucer-shaped object, metallic-looking and over 100 feet in diameter, hovering above cars on a highway for some minutes. Mm. It was edged with bright lights and was then seen heading at high speeds directly out to sea. These reports were made by people near Arley Beach, where this all started. I like the use of the passive voice. So many ufologists are aware of many reports. You know, it's like, okay, what are these reports? I mean, what? Uh, another theory, and the final one, which is quoted as being much more plausible, uh-huh. <laughs> is that the men may have docked with another vessel as its fenders were out when it was found. Uh, so they could have been kidnapped by criminals mm-hmm. 
or they may have been involved in criminal activity themselves. These 70-year-old men. <laughs> I know. It's like uh, I'm not I'm not exactly a youngster anymore myself, and I've still, I've still got kind of a criminal mind. So, you know. I was say, could have been a Walter White sort of scenario. Yeah, right, it, could have right, been right. That. it could be that these guys are, are retirement age or nearing retirement age and realizing they just don't really have enough to retire the kind of comfort they wanted to retire in. So maybe we'll just do, you know, a, a little heroin deal or something like that on the side. <laughs> Trying to make up the money he spent on that boat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um, so that turns out boats yeah, are expensive. They are. That's the cast too. Definitely real. Definitely just people falling overboard. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. yeah unfortunately. What do you have for us, Joe? Let me ditch my gum here, and I'm ready to talk about the <laughs> Joyita. Mm. Pretty sinister story here. I purposefully did not re-listen to this Thinking Sideways because it was a Thinking Sideways episode. I'm not making that up, right? Okay. Well, we did a, we did an episode, one of our earlier ones called Lost Boats right, Found. Right. And so I only, I kind of regretted it at the time because we only gave it maybe 15 minutes mm-hmm. or 20 minutes. And actually, it's a, it would have been a full, full-on hour-long story to talk about. But a Generation Y did an episode about it, okay. too. And, um, but I think, I, I've actually considered there's... There's like a, there was a court of inquiry after the boat was found mm-hmm. and, and and everything and uh, it's talked about like on the Wikipedia page etc. And but the, the the document itself I have not been able to find and I tried to order a copy from the National Library of Australia <laughs> and I even gave them my credit card number and everything and I never got it. They didn't at least they, they didn't charge my card but I just <laughs> never got it and I got nothing. <laughs> I was gonna say I think you just fell for a scam. It's, yeah, probably. But it's I, I this we level have... of dedication that. You guys have set up on Thinking Sideways that makes us Yahoos who like oh. Google some stuff for forty five minutes. Yeah, well, I mean, there's a lot of really successful ones. I mean, if you if you listen to my favorite murder, exactly, there those two girls are really funny, very talented, and I like them. But it's kind of obvious they're just like reading the Wikipedia oh, page straight off their monitor. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, we tried to find that middle ground yeah. between like last podcast, forty hour a week researching and. This is the Wikipedia page. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm trying to find that ground, too. Like, I was researching another story, um, and I found out that somebody wrote a book about it, and I was going to order a copy of the book and read it. But then I read some of the reviews of the book and stuff, and I just thought, God, you know, I can't get a, be reading a book or two books for every freaking episode. I just don't yeah. have time. That's kind know? of yeah. the, the wall that I hit, because we did an episode on Rasputin, and I had books and I like watched movies and documentaries. I was like, this is not sustainable. I have no, a nine to not. five. It's I know it really isn't. Um, I've been thinking about doing an episode or two on espionage, and I've read a, no- a lot of books about um, about some of the spy mole mm-hmm. hunts and the stuff that went on in MI five and six, and in the CIA back in like the sixties and the seventies and stuff like that. And it's like, so I've, I've done a lot of research on it. Probably ought to do some episodes on it. Yeah, I don't know if, if people would necessarily be interested in stuff that old. There is just... somebody for every topic, yeah. as I found out. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. there's always going to be one person where that's their thing. Yeah, oh, yeah, for sure. But, I mean, the thing about it is, is I'd like to do a popular podcast that a lot of people listen to. Not just because I'm greedy and want to make money, but because, you know, the more people who listen, the better I feel about myself. Of course. You know? Why do you <laughs> yeah. think oh, yeah. why do you think I have two podcasts? That's Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, and so I feel like if I do a, you know, if I do some episode and everybody says, Oh, that's really boring. I'm never listening again, click, you know. I mean I don't want that. You know, so I, I try to I try to be careful about that. Uh, so I don't know. <laughs> 
But you want to, uh, enough of that, you want to talk about of course. Zoida here of course. for a second? Okay. By the way, are we still recording? Yes. Okay. Oh, yeah. Okay, let's hope so. All right, let's talk about my boat, the motor, excuse me, not motor, the merchant vessel Joyita, ooh, uh, which disappeared in uh, 1955. Uh, it was built in 1931, uh, 69 feet long, about 47 tons. It was a wood boat built of two-inch cedar planks on oak frame, and it had a hold in the middle, and they refrigerated the hold at some point and, and put in a, a huge amount of cork insulation. And the reason I say this stuff, it sounds kind of boring, I know, but I'm sure uh, it'll come up later. But what this what this meant was that the boat was essentially unsinkable. Okay. Uh, with all with all that, I mean cedar and oak and and, and cork. cork on top, you could not oh, sink that boat yeah. unless you completely busted it to pieces. Uh, so. Refrigerated, like refrigerated, refrigerated, or just chilled? I think I think okay. more like put on ice. This was back in the fifties. I was gonna stuff. say yeah, I didn't yeah. know uh, what the history of refrigeration was. That's an episode for another time. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure that they did. Uh, I'm sure that they did have such systems on ships and boats in those days. But the Joyita was not exactly a state of the art boat. I was going to say I wouldn't waste a refrigeration unit on a wood boat. Yeah. So yeah, mm-hmm. but it was like it did. It did do supply runs and stuff like that between various islands. It was based in American Samoa. Well, and I guess if you're keeping it low enough to the water it's gonna stay cold that'll help keep it yeah say the water kind of keeps it and you just like you know if you're going on a two-day run you just buy some some, you know block ice put that in there and 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 it's well insulated that'll keep it but they were doing things like transporting for example in our in our story that we're talking about they were on a run to an island two days away Mm -hmm. and they were taking some medicines and uh, also some food and stuff and i assume some of that stuff needed to be kept chilled yeah 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 at the time it disappeared in 1955, it was under the command of Thomas Miller, uh, nicknamed Dusty, who was a Brit <laughs> living in Samoa at the time. And uh, it left uh, Apia Harbor in American Samoa. It was headed north to the Tokelau Islands, which are, were about 270 miles to the north, mm-hmm. uh, about, about a two-day cruise. And it had, besides the captain, it had 15 crew members and nine passengers Seems a little out of balance, but well, whatever. Uh, Everyone so, was well taken care of. Yeah, I guess. So, all, all, in all, 25 people were on board. And of course, none of these people were ever seen again. Of course. So, of course. Yeah. Bump, bump, bump. I know. He left uh, on one engine. And I don't think this is a, was a necessarily what caused our, our the problem, but it, it goes to show you something about the state of the boat. But they, it was a, tw- a twin engine boat, but the port side clutch had gone out and they were not able to get the parts to fix it so essentially they only had the the engine ran but it didn't do anything because there was no clutch so they couldn't turn a prop or anything like that so they left on one engine the starboard engine alone it was a short enough trip where it wouldn't have mattered so much yeah hopefully not you know you just gotta you just gotta pray that uh, your engine and everything is going to keep on that's 90 percent of getting on a boat yeah (laughs) praying praying and hoping well you know, there was a fair amount of traffic in the area, and they had a radio, so they could always call, put out a distress yeah. call. Except that I'm sure they did, and that didn't quite work out. We'll find out why <laughs> later on. Well, I'll tell you right now what happened. Uh, what happened with the radio is that it was um, they, the radio worked, but the well, there was a cable that led to the antenna, mm-hmm. and at one point or another, that cable somehow became broken, and somebody painted over that 
broken connection, so it was not immediately obvious that it was not connected to the antenna. So it was so, like frayed, and someone was just like, well, we're going to just, just get some placker over that, and it's good. Uh, apparently, yeah. So they uh, they were, they might have been on the radio. In fact, when they found the boat, which eventually it did turn up mm-hmm. without anybody on it, uh, the radio was tuned to the international emergency distress frequency. So they probably were putting out calls, but and not and wondering why nobody responded. Okay. Because yeah, the radio worked, but it just didn't have any range. Uh, so let's see what did they have. They had they besides the twenty five people on board, they had some freight as well. They had medical supplies, timber, eighty uh eighty forty five gallon oil drums, which were empty, and uh, various foodstuffs. Um and. They were, like I said, expected to take about 48 hours mm-hmm. to get to their objective. Mm-hmm. And uh, the, the, day, the day after they were due, October 6th, uh, there was a message from the islands saying that uh, the ship was overdue and had anybody seen them. They put out, uh, they just queried all the ships and islands in the, in the whole area, seeing if anybody had heard anything, any mm-hmm. distress calls. Nobody had heard a thing. Uh, but like I said, their radio was busted, so that explains that. There was a massive search and rescue operation that was undertaken by the New Zealand Air Force, and they, because it was not too far from New Zealand, and they searched a huge area of ocean looking for the Joita, and they found nothing. I guess with currents and stuff, it currents, can... winds, that kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. You, you would look kind of hard to pinpoint. Yeah, you would look first of all in that straight line between where they left and where they were going. You know, they didn't find them there, but they searched lots of other places as well. But five weeks later, November 10th, 1955, the, the crew of the merchant ship Tuvalu sighted the, jo- the Joita about 600 miles west of where it was supposed to be, mm-hmm. drifting mm-hmm. Uh, north of the island of, of Vanua-Levu. Vanua-Levu? Yeah. I don't know how that's pronounced. Uh, you've probably seen pictures of it. I don't know if you've looked it up on the web. It was partially submerged, listing very heavily to port. Mm-hmm. Uh, the deck was a, at least half a wash. Oh, both yeah. terms meaning underwater. Yeah, yeah, but there was it was again unsinkable, so they could have stayed with the boat, but apparently they everybody left the boat. There was no trace of them. They took stuff with them: the ship's log, the ship's sextant. Uh, the captain had a rifle or two; those were all gone. So they left on purpose. It wasn't like it appears that they left. Where they weren't swept over. Okay, yeah, yeah, it wasn't like the the cas. Yeah, they didn't say, intend if they to had leave. time to grab the gun. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and uh, then. But at the same time, they must have left in a bit of a hurry because they didn't leave a note saying where they were going. You always leave a note. You want to leave a note, you know. <laughs> of course, maybe they left a note and it got swept overboard. I don't know. Maybe maybe they should have, like, you know, weighted it down with a paperweight or, 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 like or pinned tacked it, it to down the with mast. a pin yeah, or something like that. I don't know. But So it's possible they left a note, but it's, something happened. And maybe some other boat came along and found it and they said hey here's a note huh? let's be dicks and take the note <laughs> so that that could have happened too uh but there was no trace of the passengers it was towed back to samoa oh oh by the way i forgot to mention the four tons of cargo were missing oh oh okay yeah. oh yeah um it was towed back to Samoa. They they gave it a good look see and uh and what they found is that there was a pipe that uh, typically, boats that have inboard engines usually have sea intakes, mm-hmm. uh, pipes that come in from the sea to run water through the engine for cooling yeah, purposes. Yeah. They had one of those. It was unfortunately galvanized, and so it had rusted through. So apparently, fate being you know as it is, it rusted through on the journey northward to Tokelau, and then it started leaking. And so they were cruising along, not even aware of what was going on. 
and but the boat was riding deeper in the water. The lower the bilges were flooding, and eventually it got up to the point where it killed the engine. And then somebody thought, ha, huh, and they went below decks. They had bilge pumps, but unfortunately, again, the boat was not as wonderfully maintained as it should have been. Mm-hmm. The bilge pumps didn't have strainers on, on the ends of them, on the intakes, to keep crud out. Oh. And so the pumps got clogged and mm. stopped working. And so that's one of the reasons I, I think that the boat eventually, it might be if they had, had functioning bilge pumps, even with that leak, they could have made it all the way to where they were going. Yeah. But uh, unfortunately, they stopped working. Were the lifeboats, so did they just not take very good yeah, care I think of their it was not, uh It was not that well-maintained. Reportedly, the captain, Dusty Miller, had, had been having some financial problems, and so uh, he maybe didn't have the kind of money that he really needed to really be given the boat regular maintenance. Because boats, as you know, right. they need to be regularly hauled from the water and, and maintained and inspected because water, especially seawater, corrodes de- it. Yeah, It'll corrode it, yeah. and, 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 it'll get, and your hull gets all crusted up with stuff, barnacles and things like that, and so... You need to pull the boat out on a regular basis. Were the lifeboats still? They were not. The boat had what are called Carly rafts on it. It had one. It had one tender, which is like what you would think of as a rowboat lifeboat yeah, kind yeah, of thing. Yeah. And it had three Carly rafts, which you'll see like if you look at pictures of like old U.S. Navy ships from mm-hmm. the World War II era, they look like kind of kind of like an inflatable raft. But they were what they were made of was like a copper tube that was filled with cork, and then it had like like canvas or whatever sort of wrapped around that stuff to make it into kind of like it was kind of like basically a, a great big huge flotation ring okay. with cloth oh, in between yeah. so it's oh, like okay. yeah, so yeah, it's yeah. like a white water raft except it's not an inflatable it's just it's it just, co- it's always inflated okay yeah, that's that's what's called a carly life raft or a carly raft so it had three of those and and one regular old tender and those were all gone so it was, was pretty obviously abandoned they abandoned ship and they left yeah so that was the big question is like the the thing that really puzzled because as i said there was an inquiry about the whole Mm -hmm. thing and uh, they were really puzzled over why they would have abandoned a ship which could not sink because uh it seemed to be sinking pretty well yeah no but uh well that's that's one of the the theories that came out was hang on i'm gonna turn a page here he has multiple pages sarah i know Oh God! Well, I just—I didn't write this up just for you guys. Don't get a swelled head. I—I I just this is—I uh, wrote a, a write-up that I did for when we did our original episode, and so I still have it laying around. So I just printed it out again and, uh, and brought it. Oh, with nice! Me. Yeah. I saved all that stuff because I thought you know it's good to save because um, you know maybe someday I want to write a book or something like that you know, or maybe somebody somebody sues me for libel. So it's good to have my notes around. You know, it's it's good to keep that stuff around. So if you if if you look out there at some of the some of the theories that people came out with, one of the first ones they came out was the Captain Down theory, which is that something happened to Dusty Miller, and uh, he was like you know, knocked out or or swept overboard or mm-hmm. somebody killed him or something, and since he was in the in this theory the only person who knew that the boat was unsinkable, everybody else saw that they were taken on water and they all took to the life rafts and beat feet. But there were still like I mean, fourteen other people that could have presumably figured out well, how to get where they were going. Well, yeah, there's well, they couldn't get where they were going because um, they had no engines, oh, and, well, and yeah, the Carly rafts had no. I mean, they had paddles, but no sails, no sails or mm-hmm. anything. They took the sextant and everything, so you would think that maybe they were you know, planning on trying to do a little navigating. Um, 
But you know, there but there must have been at least a couple of other people in the crew who knew that who, it was unsinkable. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Which is why I don't. One another reason I don't really like this theory. Uh, although I do think that I, I, I suspect that the captain was probably murdered by everybody else at some point, uh, just like because, a mutiny situation. Well, they probably, you know, after all this, you know, they, they're like, you know, why are we, why aren't we hearing anything on the radio, captain? He's like, oh, I don't know. Does your radio work, captain? I don't know. Why do we spring a leak, captain? Um, I don't know. <laughs> well, he said he was having financial issues. Exactly, it might have been yeah. like a can't pay the crew. Yeah, I mean, and, and but, yeah. you know, I'm sure a lot of people probably and. They they were on the boat for a minimum of five weeks less one day, mm. right? A minimum. Yeah. Right. Okay. So and probably le- probably less than that, but yeah. you know that's time enough for people to get kind of disgruntled Agitated, about the situation. Yeah. Yeah. And who are they going to blame? The captain. Probably. Yeah. So, oh yeah, it's always the captain. Probably at some point they probably murdered the guy. Uh, but uh, but it's, I still don't like this the, the the captain down theory. The next theory is that the Japanese did it. Because this is only like ten years after World War II, and of course there was—you've heard those stories about how there were Japanese soldiers uh, stationed on these remote little islands. Who still in the thought it was the war. That's, yeah, we're still fighting right. the war, and so. Uh, or another th- another variant of the theory is that they their route took them through a Japanese fishing fleet, and they saw something they weren't supposed to see, and so the Japanese did away with them and took some of their cargo. Uh, and there's no evidence to really support this. It's it's really probably more just kind of residual anti-Japanese feeling left probably. over from World War II in the area. We're very yeah. good at holding those kinds of grudges. Well, that's not even us. This is like the South Seas. But, you know, I mean, the Japanese established, uh, you know, their their wider territories and took over a lot of those islands. Yeah. And yeah. so there's yeah, probably a little a little ill will left over from that period among probably, the people yeah. of those islands towards the yeah. Japanese, you know. But yeah, there's no real the, the best the only physical evidence was they found a couple of knives on the Joyita that had "Made in Japan" stamped on them. That that's pretty lame. That's just where <laughs> good yeah. knives come from. I know. I mean, I, I was gonna say I just found some of my mom's china that says "Made in Japan" oh, on yeah. it. I don't think she her china was made in Japan. Yeah, I, I don't you yeah. love that? I know. <laughs> I, well, they, they, I mean, as you know, the Chinese and the Japanese don't necessarily get along that well. So they, they make the China, but then they spit on it before they put it in the boxes. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, they make their China in Japan. Uh, what's our next theory? The, the Soviets did it. It could have been a Soviet submarine that captured them and, and always and the Ruskies. And now, this is, well, of course, this was kind of the height of the Cold War. Uh, but, uh, you know, again, why a submarine or any Soviet boat would abduct these people. It's kind of like, what, yeah. you, what use are these people? And what use is... I mean, other than the the Soviets are always the bad guys, mm, so why not? Yeah, they like to do evil things. Uh, well, <laughs> if they wanted to, to, to do something evil, they could have just popped up, looked them over, and then just said, ah, screw you, and gone away and left them to their devices. That would have been evil enough. Yeah, because it was... Uh, right, they didn't need to actively yeah. do anything. Because it was established that before any of this happened, the boat had already stopped. Like, these are not... As opposed to the boat been, is being yeah. dead in the water. Yeah, it could have been this. It's like, uh, okay, we know why the boat became dead in the okay. water and couldn't go any further. And this is just why the people weren't so, on it. Yeah. And so, but why did they leave the boat? Okay. You know, because that, that again is the, the, the big question. Why would they leave the boat? Yeah. Cause people had known they had left. Someone would have come to search for them. Yeah. And they could still, there were sails, right? No, there were no sails. No it was sales. a motorboat only, but okay. it was, it's still, steerable to a certain extent no not really huh. not really uh it's but it still is a, a better 
place to be than bobbing around in a, in a little raft or a rowboat in the middle of the ocean. Yeah, you it's know, a little it's, sturdier in case yeah. of it's, turbulence and, yeah, and stuff. Yeah, it is. And, and it's got stuff on it. I mean, there was still stuff in the hole that conceivably could be used. They had they had supplies. They had yeah. food. They had uh, the boat carried uh, 2,500 gallons of water. And I don't know how full the tanks were. They might not have been entirely full. But, I mean, obviously, as, as long as those tanks are full. But that leads me to one of the theories that I think um, – but I'll get to that in a little bit here. Uh, next theory is pirates. The pirates just came across them, murdered everybody, stole four tons of the cargo. And left a very clean ship. Yeah, well, they made, they, they scrubbed down the decks. Uh-huh, it, uh-huh. It's entirely possible that they bloodily murdered everybody. And then they left. There was maybe some squalls rolled through and washed the decks clean or something like that. I don't know. I guess I'm yeah. just imagining that blood would stain wood. But if it's been weathered and used for what you said, it was built in the 30s and this is in the 50s. Yeah. Yeah, it might have just been too smooth right i'm not making that up like driftwoody Uh uh-huh yeah i yeah i don't know i mean it could have been the pirates showed up and just basically put them all in the life rafts and said "Uh aha you're bye-bye you're on your own that's why there's no blood yeah i was gonna say like if you've got weapons and the numbers are on your side it's not hard to make people do what you want them to do probably not but uh um i suspect the people might already have been in the lifeboats anyway but you'll find that out in a second here uh let's move to our next theory i know i'm being a tease i'm sorry (laughs) yeah insurance fraud this has been floated as an idea because captain dusty miller did have some debts he was in financial trouble Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. the problem with this theory is that he was only leasing the boat he didn't own it so you know sinking the boat for insurance for the insurance didn't really make a lot of sense yeah Unless you're yeah. really oh, dumb. I, I, don't know, I don't know how smart Captain Miller was, but uh, yeah. <laughs> Another theory is mutiny, and this one, again, doesn't quite make sense because even if you mutiny against the captain, even if you kill the captain, you're still body, stuck. You're still on the ship. There, there's still got to be a reason why you left the ship. Uh, because, I mean, if, if, you, if it's like, well, we're, we committed mutiny, now we can leave. Well, you didn't need to commit, commit mutiny to do that. The captain probably would have said, well, okay, you guys are going to kill me unless I let you climb in those flimsy rafts and leave. So I'm going to let you leave. Bye. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, why would the captain try mm-hmm. to stop them? Um, well, so what I think happened, personally, is that they stayed with the ship for quite a while. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the evidence shows this. The, the, the ship was missing four tons of cargo and had a portside list. Um, and the starboard engine was the one that was working, mm-hmm. right? So I think that they probably threw about four tons of cargo overboard to induce a port side list to try to bring that engine out of the water far enough to where they could get it running again. Okay. And uh, oh, yeah. they found there was other evidence that they found. They found that an auxiliary generator had been, had been set up near that port side engine. It was not yet plugged in or attached to it or anything. Mm-hmm. But And somebody had thrown a mattress over the engine, which suggests something on the order of somebody – Maybe laying across the engine and you know reaching down and working on it. Oh yeah, you know that kind of thing. Um, a but the batteries by the time they found the boat were flat, and so what I think probably happened is they were trying to get that thing started, and eventually one day they realized, hey, you know somebody left the lights on overnight. Our battery's gone totally flat. We're mm-hmm. screwed. No sense working on the engine anymore because we can't turn it over anyway. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. In which case they start thinking about other options. And as far as the people being in the rafts, I think that probably the people had already been offloaded into the rafts anyway because mm-hmm. they were weighing the boat down. 
if the objective is to get that engine out of the water, get it started, you probably want to get those people off the boat because they, you know, 25 people, that weighs, that's quite a bit of weight. Yeah. So get them off onto the rafts, tied to ropes, of course. You're not cutting them loose, but they're just floating out there, potentially for days sitting in the rafts, you know, going like, got it started yet? No. Got it started? I mean, <laughs> imagine, I can't imagine how, <laughs> how horrible <laughs> that situation <laughs> was to be in. And, uh, but this is one of the reasons I'm still trying to get a hold of that, uh, that report. Mm hmm is I want to find out a few things. Like, um, like for example, was there any water left in their tank? I mean, if they had run out of water and say they're drifting along to the west and they pass a little deserted island somewhere, yeah. they might think, well, mm -hmm. you know, our chances are probably better on that island than, you know, on this boat, so let's make a break for it. And who knows? I mean, it might be that they actually made it to an island and died on the island. Their bones are still there. How but long was it between when they set sail and when they found the Five wreckage? weeks. Oh, okay. Five weeks, yeah. Five weeks, yeah. Yeah. And by that time, you said the boat had drifted, like, what, 600 kilometers? 600 or? miles. So it's, it, 600 miles, even. Yeah, okay. so it was uh, from where they plotted the boat to be when it stopped, when the engine kit, when the engine stopped. was about they, plotted, they estimated that would have been 50 miles short of Tokelau. And so the what they found it was west southwest. So in other words, if not due west, so if you draw like uh, like a four uh, due west is like straight west, mm -hmm. and then Fort mm -hmm. draw, draw a line that's like forty five degrees, and that's southwest. Right. So they were they were more like about thirty degrees from west. So you want to, so that's why I'm saying west southwest. They're in between west yep. and, and southwest. Okay, I hope that wasn't too confusing. But 600 miles to the west. Here's what I think might have happened. I'm assuming, this is another reason I want to get a hold of the inquiry. I was, I'm assuming that after they found the boat, they plotted that line from where they thought it ran out of gas or stopped running to where they found the boat, and they searched it. Sorry. No, not you. <laughs> and they searched that line very really thoroughly looking for islands or life rafts or anything like that and didn't find anything. But what I think maybe happened is um, when they did their inquiry, they, I want to answer, this is what I'm trying to find out. They never found out if Captain Miller topped off his gas tanks before he left port. So if he didn't, and if he was on having financial troubles, then it might be that he actually, they actually miscalculated where the boat stopped running because he didn't go out with full tanks. So it might be that instead of getting, um, say, 225 miles towards its destination before it stopped, maybe they only got like 10 miles out and his engine quit, which, was, which would mean that if they were looking, trying to look for those people along that line that runs from one point to west-southwest to where they were found, it might be that they should have been looking on a line that was actually straight east-west. In other words, from just north of where they left to where they were found. Mm -hmm. They should have mm -hmm. been looking along that line. Let's say again, yeah, because yeah, yeah. you know they could have miscalculated where the engine stopped running. Yeah, and so, it's it's too big of an area to just it is it search is. all of it. It is, and he is not knowing since we don't know how much gas he had yeah. when he left. We just don't know. It could you're talking about a massive triangle basically mm -hmm. of sea that you have to search for uh, charted and uncharted islands to try to find their little find their bones, but. Uh, that's what I think happened to him. Is I think they, I think they left, went to an island, and just died on the island eventually, and or formed a civilization yeah. and lived there to this day. It could be they're still there. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. 
But that's what I think happened. But we don't, we'll never know. I mean, uh, but that's what I'm pretty sure happened. So, yeah, that seems, yeah, that makes sense so anyway, to me. Anyway, yeah, sad story. It's too bad they never found the guys because they, they were probably sitting on some island somewhere for months wondering when somebody was going to show up and rescue them, and it never happened. It's kind of sad. Yeah. I, yeah. And then contrast this to Ghost Ship, where what's her name? Juliana Margulies at the end has blown the ship up. <laughs> And finds a piece of luggage to cling to out there. And by the way, aren't they aren't they up somewhere near the? They're oh, I I ranted to Emily about this for like five minutes because they established they were in like the Bering. Exactly. Strait. It was like there's no way she didn't freeze to death within like an hour of ending up in the uh, water. She so goes unless that boat yeah. came by within twenty uh-huh. minutes. Leo like, was in the water for at least dead. an hour and made it. <laughs> Juliana Margulies can be in there for what ten Several minutes. Days. <laughs> I mean, the way the movie like showed it, it had to have been like a day or something of her just being adrift. Yeah. I think I that's the point where I stopped paying attention and started playing Stardew Valley when the movie was playing in the background. <laughs> yeah, it was it was so dumb. It was just yeah, and and it, just the idea that that this ship found her too. You know, she's like laying there semi comatose, and then suddenly you hear this ship's horn blasting, and it's a big carnival cruise ship going boom boom at her. It's like, how did they even see her? Yeah. You know, it should have been better. You have to have a very observant the, person on the deck. Yeah, well, it's, I, and that happens, I'm sure, but more likely than not, it doesn't happen. But what, what, what would have been better is like is if it shows up and there's this boom, boom, but she's like, oh, my God, I'm saved. And they don't see her. They run her over and she gets all t- <laughs> I mean, that would be the more realistic yeah, version of that. And as the movie ends, it, it's like down in the down in the bilges of this this carnival cruise ship, and you see this ghostly Juliana Margulies inhabiting the the, the the hull of this thing. Now she's the ghost yeah. ship. <laughs> Maybe the real ghost ship was the Juliana Margulies that was with us the whole time. So I've been I've been droning on. I went I went way overboard with my Joita exposition. Sorry That's about that. That's why you're here. Uh, I would I would wager that we went way underboard. We don't know anything about boats, professional wrestling, and the history of role playing, which is those are the episodes we get guests on. Oh, makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, about the my other ghost ship thing, uh, we can talk about that, or if you'd rather wrap this up, I'll just leave my write up here. This is actually not something I wrote. This is just some stuff that I cut and pasted to a document out of a an article. Yeah, and um, you can find more about it. It's entirely up to you guys. And I mean, there's. So many ghost ships, and there can always be a part two. Yeah, you can always do another episode. Um, and this is this is one that's not probably big enough to justify our entire episode, but it's kind of interesting to yeah. talk about. So I'll just leave that with you, and you can you guys can read up on that. And if you have any questions, call me or email me or something. Yeah, for sure. And, um, then, and then if you want, I can tell you briefly. Are we still? Uh, we're, we're still I'll going. tell you after we're done recording. Oh, yeah. yeah, let's do it. Um, um, yeah. So those are. Ghost ships. That's... Yeah, those are those are several interesting ghost ships. Um, yeah, it was hard finding ghost ship stories that weren't basically just like they fell off. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Yeah, because that's I'd say ninety percent of it. Mm. Or made up entirely. Yeah. Or made up entirely. <laughs> Sometimes made up. The yeah. one I was originally looking at was supposedly filled with uh, cannibal rats, but uh-huh. then I read up on it more and the. Like the people in charge of the inquest were like, no, 
absolutely no cannibal rats. So it's like, well, I've got to pick something else now. Yeah, the, the cannibal rats thing was kind of made up by the press, although there might have been. I mean, it's like they're, they're, but they were just assuming that there were rats on the ship and they had consumed everything on the ship that was that could be eaten. Yeah, that's not how rats do. Yeah, and uh, and so you know maybe, but apparently uh, its EPIRB went off sometime a few years ago, so it's presumed to be sank. By yeah, this time. yeah, yeah, um, um, yeah, because they just kind of like let it hang. After uh, they found it abandoned, yeah, they nobody seemed to want to deal with it, you know. And uh, I think they were hoping there's that there's that sort of a vortex in the middle of the Atlantic, and a you ship gets sucked uh, down into it. Yeah, not down into, but they can wind up being sort of caught in this current, and they'll just instead of hitting land anywhere, they'll just keep turning circles in the Atlantic. That's you know, terrifying. Big area. Well, it's fine as long as you're cruising along, you don't smack into it. But, yeah, I mean, yeah, that's one of the reasons. Like. <laughs> If you're in a small boat, like, and, and you just like put it on autopilot overnight while you go to sleep, and you just don't know what you're gonna run into. Yeah, that's probably accounts for yeah. a lot of these little boats disappearing. Yeah, I guess I never really thought Man. about what happens at night on a boat. Yeah, well, you can't see anything. Yeah. There's, and there's things like a lot of container ships lose containers; they fall overboard, like, and they get swept over by rain, like, by rain and stuff. Um, like I the was Garfield, just say, yeah, like exactly. In when... And then Garfield phones wash up yeah. on the beach for thirty yeah. years. Yeah, and a lot of that happens. And when they're down there, they usually like uh, they're usually just sort of a wash. There's like they can be just under the water, or maybe just peeking out a little bit. And if you're cruising along in your in your sailboat and you run into one of those things, it could damage you enough to sink you. Yeah. And so it's a, definitely a hazard. Yeah, the sea gives me about the same existential dread as like space uh-huh. does. It's too Just big. Not interested in either. Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, and yeah. like my favorite episodes of like Blue Planet are the ones where they do the deep sea. And that is the most terrifying oh, thing yeah. I can think of. But yeah. also that's where they keep all the cool fish. Yeah. That's some really interesting and scary, very alien stuff down yeah. there. I mean, it's, it's like that's one of the things that's amazing about Earth and really pathetic about a lot of sci-fi movies and TV shows. <laughs> is when you look at their conception of aliens, they're so freaking lame. Like Star Trek, some guy had a rubber mask, big freaking. And then you look at some of the some of the species that exist right here on the planet. Like, look at a crab. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Um, no, it, it amazes me that like you know, a couple times a year they're like, we found this fish that we've never seen before. Uh huh. Yeah. Or sometimes they find something that's like, oh, we thought this was extinct. I guess it's not. Wow, that's kind of cool. That's. I mean, if big if. Bigfoot was in the ocean. I would find him more believable because yeah. we don't know what's down there as opposed to in the forest where yeah. at least most of it we've seen before. Yeah, and there's there's a lot of people out mm-hmm. there. I uh, I have a, you know, especially this side of the Cascades, it's really hard to get out in the woods and not run into people. Yeah. And it's like it might, might, if you want to find if you're alone in the woods or not, just drop your pants to take a crap or something like that. <laughs> someone will I, show up. Someone will step out from behind a tree, I guarantee it. <laughs> and yeah, you just cannot get away from people, which makes me suspect that Bigfoot may be bogus. I, or he might have been real at one point back when the woods were less inhabited. Uh-huh. And now he's gone. Yeah. That's always possible. In any too. case, he's not abducting people from state parks. No. Yeah, I was gonna say. I feel like if Bigfoot was alive about the time America was still colon, or if he was still alive by the time America was colonized, we would have found him and probably. Him oh, actually, extinction. it's entirely possible. Actually, <laughs> when the when the Indians arrived here, that was like something like eleven thousand years ago, something like that, twelve thousand yeah. years ago. Yeah. Some species did go extinct right about then, so the Indians probably hunted a lot of things to extinction. I and, bet Bigfoot uh, meat was delicious. It could be that they they <laughs> killed off all the big feet, you know, and uh, and so that's that maybe is what happened. Yeah, it, yeah, 
In yeah. any case, if you enjoyed this episode, oh yeah, yeah, then. please we are remember recording, to. Aren't we? Shit, I was, you were recording this. Oh my god! <laughs> to write, subscribe. Uh, you know, you can say the meanest thing in your review. Just leave five stars. Say nice things about me at least. Yes, be very kind to Joe and Art. Yeah, because I'm um, sensitive. <laughs> never gotten a single bad podcast review ever. Well, gotten quite a few actually, but. <laughs> Not, I'm, I'm talking about my podcast. Yeah, d- not the yours. internet is a wasteland. <laughs> it is. Yeah. Um, but that being said, you can find us on Twitter at Afternoonified, at, um, on Instagram at Afternoonified. This is where I forget all of our handles because I have to say them out loud. Uh, Facebook is Get Afternoonified. Our website is getafternoonified.com. Uh, uh, Am I forgetting uh, anything? Patreon, Twitter. We did Twitter. Tip we jar. do have a tip jar. Oh. Um, our hosting service was kind enough to just have that as a feature. Oh, that's sweet. So yeah, if you want to chip in a few dollars for hosting and all of that, that'd be awesome. Um, congratulations to our contest winners. That's all I got. Yeah, that's all I've got. Joe, do you have anything uh, you want to plug? Not really. or? Just some wisdom. No, just kidding. Uh, <laughs> uh, no, not really. Uh, just, it, you know, actually, if you have any good ghost ship stories to to share, please send them my way. That's uh, thinking sideways podcast at gmail.com. Although, you know, obviously you guys probably want to take press. We do stuff. not have a corner on the ghost ship market. <laughs> yeah. No. Uh, but yeah, I'm always <laughs> eager for more ghost stories about ships. They're awesome. Um, and our next episode is. We picked it. It's I don't yours. Know. So it's not my problem. Mm. Oh, right. Yeah. Uh, they'll they'll find, find out. Yeah. If you go to our Instagram, I post a teaser every week so you can find okay. out. So there's an extra incentive to follow us on oh, Instagram. Sure. Yeah, that's where we keep all of the, the really good content, like pictures of the benders and mummies and yeah. that shirtless picture of Ben Feldman that should probably be in every slideshow. <laughs> mm. Anyway, um, goodbye. All right. Bye bye, everybody. <laughs> bye, guys. We love you. Bye.